This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making Space a Diversity Dialogue. I'm your host, Cole, and this is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. As finals for the college semester come to an end, that means it's time for winter break, holidays, and extended time with your family. For some folks, this is an exciting period of time, but for others, it can be anxiety-raising, uncomfortable, and sometimes dangerous. This episode's topic is all about how LGBTQ folks can plan a safe holiday break and how allies can help your LGBTQ family members or friends who are going home to an unstable or even sometimes hostile environment. Before we move on to questions and interview um, with our guest this episode, we're going to go over a few vocabulary words as a reminder for you folks. Um, if you don't remember some of the words we're going to use or you never heard them before. So the first one is ally. It is a person who accepts, supports, or even advocates at times for LGBTQ plus folks. Allies are extremely extremely important, especially during these times with extended periods with family. They are sometimes the only people who can get folks through the holidays emotionally or even physically. And of course, we'll talk about that a little more later. Affirmation or affirming. When we talk about an ally or friend or family member being affirming, we mean that an ally makes an active effort to support another person. Most of the time, when we talk about affirming someone's gender identity, an example of that is an ally choosing to use the name or pronouns that person prefers. For example, if my friend Jay is more comfortable using they, them pronouns, I would affirm them by using those preferred pronouns when discussing them. The next one is support system. When we talk about a support system, especially for LGBTQ folks, we're talking about those allies, friends, family that affirm that person's identity or sexuality. They make that person not only feel comfortable and grounded, but also supports that person in their decisions, whatever makes them safe, whatever their boundaries are. The final word we're going to look at and give a definition for is triggers. Unfortunately, this term has been overused and almost made fun of and um, used in not the way that it was meant to be used for, especially in media. But it is actually a very important term and a way for folks who have experienced trauma to relate those boundaries to others. A trigger can be a phrase, a behavior, a conversation topic, or even a certain event that can cause a negative emotional response in someone who has experienced trauma associated with that behavior. For example, LGBTQ plus folks are often triggered by certain aspects of Christian faith because they've had trauma associated with people using that faith to condemn that person's identity or sexuality. When triggered, it can cause an extreme emotional response, anxiety, panic attacks, a bout of depression, and sometimes even a physical fight or flight response. 
So like I said, these vocabulary words are going to be used throughout the little bits that I'm talking about, as well as the interview that I have with our, our guest for this week, who is a Tarleton State University professor, a communications professor, and also an advisor for the Gay Straight Alliance chapter on Tarleton's campus. Before we get to that interview, I want to make sure that I touch on some things that I thought were important, especially when I was doing my research on uh, sites like PFLAG and HRC and um, the Trevor Project website, all of those about how to approach going home and spending long periods of time with family who may not necessarily be supportive in all things or may not quite understand yet all the ins and outs of having uh, a certain gender identity or uh, sexual orientation. So some things to note for those LGBTQ plus folks, planning is very important before going and spending that long period of time or whatever period of time with those hostile or possibly unstable relationships and people. From my research, it's recommended that you make a list of all the things that calm you down when you are triggered. That's when a certain behavior happens or a certain phrase is used, a certain question is asked, and that triggers an, a trauma response. Try to think of some things that help you calm down. One way to do that is pa to pack a box or a bag of some sort of comfort objects like fidget toys or blankets, a stuffed animal, your favorite snack maybe, or you can even have a playlist ready to listen to on Spotify or something, or even have a list of numbers that you can contact in your phone to those affirming people and that support system that you can contact and make sure, hey, I, I'm feeling this way and I, I just need to know that I, I'm not crazy or that I am okay and then I have people that support me. It is also important to know before you go and important to plan who you want to be out to and be out with and those you don't want to be out to, especially if you're bringing a friend or a partner along for the holiday season. You need to make sure to express those boundaries to that person and say, hey, I'm out to this person, but I'm not out to this person. So please act accordingly. This can also help you when you're planning responses to those difficult questions like partners, jobs, marriage, kids, all of that. If you have those responses ready and you've planned those out, it'll help in the long run just with those anxieties and those fears. Now, while you're there, something that was noted, I believe, on the, I think it was the Trevor Project website, but don't quote me on that, is to stay with friends, maybe not stay with your family members during the holiday season or maybe try staying with your friends who are uh, supportive during that time or even if you can afford it stay at a hotel at some point just so you can have a place to go and escape for a little while and decompress anywhere you can have a little bit of alone time it's also important to know that you don't have to spend the entire break there it's something if you can plan around it, if you want to spend a shorter time, like just a week or a weekend, or even just a couple hours, sometimes shorter experiences with these folks are better for your safety and your sanity and, and even just having that step away and that time for others as well. And this is something that our guest Prairie touches on a little bit, but I wanted to reiterate it. If you are feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling trapped, Remember, you can always step away if you need to. Allow yourself that time. And if you don't feel safe doing this by yourself, 
talk to your support system in your family um, to be able to say, hey, can you, if you see someone corner me and asking a bunch of questions, can you come over and, and kind of get me away from that situation? Or even plan it out further than that and have friends ready to text you or call you at certain times of day when you know that it's going to be busy and you're going to want to step away. Also, remember that you are not responsible for educating your family. You don't have to take on that responsibility if that that emotional bandwidth is not there. It's okay if you can't do that. You can always send them to other resources. I'm going to include plenty in the description of this episode for you to send to your family members who have those questions. And of course, you can always send them here, Making Space Diversity Dialogue, to get those questions answered for them. And you don't have to be the one to do that. Now, afterward, um, after those that holiday break and that winter break, you're coming back maybe to school or even to your own place. Try to have something planned that's fun, something that you know you'll be comfortable with and affirmed with. Something that I recommend is planning a fun time with your friends and family that are affirming of your gender identity and your sexual orientation. It can be a call, it can be a text, it can be a video chat, or just a safe in-person hangout, a time where you can look forward to it during that that crazy time when it's stressful, and you can come back to these people who give you energy and support you and make you feel as comfortable as possible. Also remember, be kind to yourselves, please. Recovering from being with unsupportive people and hostile family members is extremely, extremely exhausting. And it's okay to let yourself be exhausted and it's okay to have that time to say, okay, I'm really not feeling up to doing the dishes or cleaning right now. I'm going to give myself time to listen to some music and just relax and recoup from that event. For allies out there, uh, there's a few things. Again, we'll talk about this when we interview our guests for this episode. But remember to be that affirming voice for your friends uh, who are LGBTQ+, or your family members. Try to be that for them. They're really counting on you to be that rock and that support system and ready to almost catch them when they fall sometimes. When someone is really tired and dealing with hostile family members, it's extremely hard. So please be there and be that affirming voice for them if you can, of course. Also respect that person's boundaries when they ask you to use certain pronouns or use certain names with certain people. It can be difficult switching back and forth. I completely understand that. But it's really about their safety and their boundaries and respecting them as a person. And if you're able to, for sure, Be that person they can go to and say, can you be my on-call person whenever I need a text or a call? Be sure you're there. And this, again, is something that our guest talks about and is really important. Never stop learning, allies. Please continue your education. Not only does that help you yourself grow your knowledge, it also helps LGBTQ plus folks know that there are advocates out there for them and a community they can go to when it kind of seems like they're alone um, in a lot of ways. All right, folks, that that's what I have uh, to talk about. We're going to move on to our guests this episode, an interview that I found 
really beneficial and I hope you guys get some ideas about how to deal with planning and preparation and what to do during the holiday season with your family if you're cornered by your uh, your great aunt who's asking all these questions. We'll have some ways that you can try to get out of that. But our guest again this week is Prairie Parnell, an instructor with Tarleton State University and the advisor for the Gay Straight Alliance since 2012. So she has been helping LGBTQ plus folks for a very long time and she has a lot of knowledge she can offer and I hope you guys enjoy. Hello everyone, my name is Cole and I am with Tarleton State University instructor Prairie Parnell. She is currently one of the faculty advisors for Tarleton's chapter of the Gay Straight Alliance and has been working with and helping LGBTQ plus students for uh, a long time since 2012. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. And this topic is focusing on how LGBTQ plus folks can plan their holidays and being with family for an extended period of time, as well as how allies and family members can help those LGBTQ plus folks. So if we want to get right into it, um, Prairie, what are some important planning tips for uh, those LGBTQ plus folks? Um, and what do they need? What do they need to know before they go home? <laughs> Oh, always a good, uh, always a good pre, pre-departure plan, right? Yes. So think about before you leave, how long you're going to go, the different places you might be asked to go, and the different people that you're going to meet when you go. Uh, and I always find, because I'm a very analytical kind of literal person, <laughs> I like lists. Um, I don't necessarily write them down in in paper, on paper, or on my phone, because those kinds of lists can be accessed and they might be detrimental. But I, in my head, I make lists. Okay, where am I going? Who am I going to see there? Uh, and then I start to think about who is a good person to save me if I get into a weird conversation with great aunt so-and-so who wants to know why I don't have a husband or a kid or a a better job or whatever right. it might be. Um, so I start thinking about who are my allies in the family that can save me. And then I start planning as well ways to limit my exposure if necessary. So, uh, you know, if I go say to my parents' house, they own land. And so I can say, oh, I'm going to go walk off dinner or I just need, you know, some cooler air, it's hot in the house, whatever it might be. So I have a plan going in. These are my people. These are my escape zones. These are the places uh, I can go and these are the excuses I can use. And I will plan those out ahead of time. And I recommend that for everybody. Um, I it's like a lot of planning. <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of planning. Right. And I will say that I, I haven't, um, I used to plan a lot more when I was coming home from college and from graduate school. Now, as I've grown as part of the, it gets better, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> as I've gotten older and my family has mm, mellowed and given in a little bit, I don't have to plan quite as much. It's not as fresh. It's not as fresh. Yeah. But always having those plans ahead of time and really being able to identify the people in your family that will help you out of a tough situation. You know, if I end up offering to watch the the nieces and nephews because that gets me out of adult conversation then that's part of my plan kind of a thing right right having those uh 
escape plans and those people on call ready and waiting for you to uh to help you out for sure absolutely and that and that can even be friends if you need uh friends to text you at some point during the day or call you um so you can step out i think that's very important absolutely and i will sometimes make appointments with friends that are local and say oh i have to go visit so and so i haven't seen them all year you know i'll be back in two hours or something yeah, it gives you time to decompress and kind of be away from those uh, potentially hostile situations. Absolutely. And it's a valid excuse, right? If your family exactly. claims Southern hospitality or whatever, they have to let you go because it's only polite that you go visit, you know, friend so-and-so. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I didn't think about having to come up with things that would allow you to leave in um uh, something they wouldn't question. That is a good idea. That is a good tip for folks out there. It just makes getting out a little easier. Yeah. I mean, you can always just leave, right? If you're in that bad of a situation, just leave. That can be hard sometimes. It can be hard. And if you feel like uh, you need to come back to to a better environment, having that excuse that shows that you're still putting an effort in can help pave the way back into the environment when you return. So what would you suggest for people out there wanting to start some of those conversations with family about gender identity or uh, sexual orientation? Is that a good time to do during this time or, or how would you approach that? I think it really depends on how big your family gathering is. Those kinds of conversations are always better to smart to start in smaller groups Right. You don't want to be looking at the the Thanksgiving or the Christmas table with 20 people on it and go, okay. so by the way, let's talk about LGBTQ rights. Like that's not (laughs) right. That's not the time. Um, One of the things you can do, though, is if you've started having those smaller conversations, say, with uh, family members that that feel safe. Right. Whether that's a sibling or a parent or a cousin or an aunt, uncle, whatever. Right. You start having those conversations little by little. So right, maybe if you're thinking about the whole holiday season at Thanksgiving, you pull aside your favorite aunt and you say, hey, what do you think about um, LGBTQ, you know, what's going on with with uh, rights and access and, and you kind of just feel them out, right? Right. And maybe you let it sit. So there's this communication theory called social judgment theory that argues that we can't persuade a lot, right? We have to go tiny step by tiny step by tiny step, piece by piece. So if you start and you kind of lay your groundwork and you have a conversation, where do they stand? How do they feel? Uh, And then you come back and you say, well, what do you think the family would do if somebody in the family was LGBTQ or seemed a little different? And you have that conversation, uh, you know, maybe the next day after Thanksgiving or something. And then you come back and you start laying groundwork for them to be an ally, Uh, you come out to them and you say, can you, will you support me? Can you help me? And then at the next family gathering, you, the both of you target a couple of other people. And so you grow your group. Uh, You don't just throw down at Christmas dinner (laughs) (laughs) and say, love me or leave me kind of a thing. Uh, I really am an advocate of the small steps. I know that that feels hard and that that feels, um, sometimes maybe disingenuous, like you're not being your true self because you are still sort of 
being cautious when you're not with the people that you're out, but I am a strong advocate for safety. And I think that safety is extremely important, that safety is extremely important and family. Um, as much as I hear from my students that their families have disowned them or their families won't speak to them, I always wonder, and sometimes retroactively we can improve things and sometimes we can't, but I always wonder if we'd taken a different approach, would I still get those stories of I've been kicked out or my family won't talk to me? Um, we know, of course, I'm a communications professor, right? So that's right, my job. Course. So we know that if we alter our communication practices and if we alter our persuasive strategies, we can have more success. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that especially the holidays are a time to be very tactful and very um, pro you, right? Like, right. like what makes, what makes you happy? What keeps you safe? What sets the, the groundwork for an even happier time next time? if that makes sense. That, yes, I think so. That if we think about it as building a road, right? Like I came out to my family as bisexual. That's not as bad as, <laughs> as other things, right? Right, like, for sure. In the grand scheme of things. And then eventually I got married and I present as heteronormative. So in a lot of ways, my family can... Ignore. Ignore, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so now I use my students as a reminder to keep LGBTQ issues afloat in the family. Uh, but I did a lot of what I'm, I'm suggesting to y'all. I started with uh, actually my aunt and then my sister and, and then we worked, we branched out. Right. Slowly and, building that support system yes. one at a time. Uh, yes. It be a little bit easier. And I would say it took probably... Now, my family's a lot older, right? Like, I've got grandparents that are in their late mm -hmm. 90s. So mm -hmm. we're, a, we're an older generation um, and military family and a lot of, you know, this is the way it should be kind of thing. So it probably took a good three years before my family was like, okay, cool. Here are some stories of people that we've encountered in our lives or here are other people that we've helped or here are other people that we've started talking to. Um, and it probably took another five years before my mother said, you know, I told my friend so-and-so that she was being awful when she said those <laughs> things about people. And I, mean, I was that's like, that's a win. That's a win. <laughs> For sure. And I, to contextualize it, I started this in like 1999. Mm. So uh, <laughs> it took a little while, but it, is a it win, took a little while. And now they, you know, everybody asks, they're like, how's your kids? How, what's going on? What are, you know? do any of them need to come to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner with us? Like, like they've made that transition. Um, and it, but it does take time and it sucks because when you're young and you're out and you're queer at school and you want to go home and be that same person and you want to push those boundaries and, and make your family accept you. But oftentimes psychologically that backfires. Yeah. I know I was reading, I think it was, P flag, um, uh, an article on P flag. It did suggest that, you know, as an LGBTQ plus person, you may have had your entire life or your entire time up until this point to kind of analyze and figure out who you are and who and what your sexuality is. You've had that time and, and you're and you're ready to be out. I, I completely understand that, but then there's also your family 
didn't know during that time. Absolutely. Your family still needs needs the time, but of course your safety and your boundaries do come first. Um, when you're, when you're talking uh, about family gatherings and being cornered uh, in the kitchen uh, to talk yes. about things. Yes. And, and cornered in the kitchen or cornered in the, you know, the living room or wherever, <laughs> that's a good time to say, oh, you know, my, so I wear a Fitbit. So that's an easy cheat for me. My Fitbit says I need to go walk. <laughs> I'll be back. Um, this is smart. But that's a good time for if there's somebody present. This is why I always advocate family member who can save you because they can see you, right? A friend who's been told to text you is awesome. But if they don't know that you need help right then, taking your phone out to text them. Sorry, my cat is a destructive force. No problem. But taking time out to text them and say, hey, I need you know, I need a response text, um, can be a delay that doesn't necessarily come through or that isn't as protective as it needs to be. Uh, whereas a family member who's there can say, Hey, will you come help me do whatever, right. And get you out of that situation. So what can folks do to kind of stay sane or stay kind of stable and safe during the time when they're at uh, family gatherings? So I always look for things that I like to do that I can incorporate with other people that are neutral. So a board game, uh, maybe a puzzle, but I find that puzzles don't take enough uh, brain power, right? Like ah, people have time yes. to chat while they're puzzling. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if I can bring a game like Pandemic or... Um, That's a good one for right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Plus, it's it's uh, it's not a win, right? Like you're not competing against each other. You have to work together, uh, which can lead to more discussion about the game itself and not the people, right? right. If you're playing a game where it's competitive, and you get into, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta trash talk or whatever, right? Like people play dominoes <laughs> right. or or forty two or Monopoly. Oh God, never Monopoly, oh, right? No. Um, <laughs> Those but ones if, just like, <laughs> oh, they'll just tear you apart. Yes. But if you could play a collaborative game or a high stakes strategy game where people have to really think uh, and you enjoy those, like don't do it if you don't enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets you onto something else. You have a planned activity. Uh, I also will bring a book or an art project and say, oh, I'm, you know, I need to work on this. I'm going to give it as a gift to so-and-so. Um, so I need to finish this art project or whatever. Um, I'll do those kinds of things or I'll ask my mom, hey, is there something that you need done, you know, outside that you didn't get a chance to do because, uh, you know, you didn't have time before people got there. I'll go do it. Uh, and then I'm like the good child and I got out of the house. <laughs> yeah, it's just building that rapport, you know, <laughs> over and over again. But I really do like games and I find that that like teaching a game and playing a game gets my family distracted and then they enjoy it and then they want to play the game again and then mm -hmm. uh, like it becomes a nice digression right so for those folks who who are out to family members already and it is still kind of there's some tension still there and there's how how do they go about still setting those boundaries with family ah so the bad questions right mm -hmm. Or the hard questions. The, yes. So are you bringing, are you dating anybody? What does that look like? What is that? 
you know, what are you having sex? What? Oh my God. Um, (laughs) those are the worst questions. Uh, oftentimes I, especially later in life, I'll just leave. Now I have a bit more confidence. I have a bit more confidence. I've got a bit more age than students maybe. (laughs) Um, but I'll say, you know what? I don't feel like talking about that right now. And I'll walk away. Uh, if I can't walk away, I will say something like my family, uh, I'll joke, right? Like my family says, we don't talk about that kind of thing in public. Uh, because I'm very much a deflective, I don't like flat out conflict if I can avoid it. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot in my students. Like they don't want to have that conflict either. So if I can deflect with humor, if I can uh, turn the question around, like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to hear about me. When when did you get married? When did you first have kids? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when you can get people talking about themselves, they tend to be a lot more engaged, a lot more willing to let go of whatever it was they were trying to pry out of you, Mm -hmm. because we're all narcissists at heart, right? (laughs) Like, we want to talk about ourselves. Um, So if you can get great aunt so-and-so who's asking those nasty questions, uh, to talk about herself, whether you want to know or not, um, then it can distract her and get her off that conversation. It seems like uh, pre-planning your responses is also what you need to do before all this happens. A little bit, yeah, especially if you're prone to panicking, that like deer in the headlight, gaping fish moment. Yes, I completely um, that. Yeah, I would, I would prepare ahead of time a little bit. Um, of course, some people, so everybody almost everybody, not quite everybody, uh, in their heads, we have a a second inner monologue that tells us, oh, you should have said that, you should have said that, or you should have thought about it like this. So we can practice all these conversations. Um, I have also, there's been some research that I've read that suggests uh, practicing with friends. So like have your friends be the nosy aunt and then try to deflect them, Uh, especially if you're super, super anxious. You know, if you if you feel like you're pretty confident and you think you can deflect, then you don't need to practice, right? Uh, but in general, what we tell students is that practicing something three times helps make it sort of a cognitive muscle memory. Okay. And so if your friend can be that that rude family member going, so when are you going to bring home a boyfriend? Mm. You're like, well, grandma, you know that boys just don't float my boat. Uh, and then <laughs> you can deflect. The more you practice right. that, uh, the better easier it becomes to say it okay and the easier it becomes to interact with them so utilize your support system and absolutely absolutely okay so what can these folks do afterwards after the the holiday dinners and the winter break stay however long that is to kind of recoup and recover from having to plan all of this and and (laughs) the emotional kind of bandwidth that you have to have during this time oh yes absolutely so plan well here's that plan word again right (laughs) um I always try to book myself something fun to come back to uh whether that's a now I don't do manicures pedicures or any of that kind of stuff because I'm a farm girl but um whatever it is that you like I say offer yourself a reward for survival it's like an incentive. Um, when we get done, if I haven't pissed anybody off, can I say that? Sorry. Yes, you're um, fine. If, you're I, fine. <laughs> if I haven't made anybody so mad that they'll never speak to me again, then I get this reward. 
uh, whether that's a new book or a new game or I go on a trail ride or I, whatever it might be. I, I reward myself. I'm a very incentive-based <laughs> kind of person. You know, um, it works. <laughs> it does. And I found that the students that can, that can utilize that when they come back, instead of dragging straight into classes, mm-hmm. that if they can take a day or two and reward themselves, that then they come back better for the semester. If you come and you drag all that stress and, uh, work from the family time back to the the campus you're going to have a much harder time functioning for those first couple of weeks because essentially you're diving back in and you're doing it all over again except this time with unknown people you know if you start the semester and you've got um, personal pronouns that maybe don't match what's on the roster or you're going by a different name or you're worried about being outed in class that brings all those stresses back so you really need a couple of days, a day or two at least of, of reward to yourself for surviving to kind of gird your loins and get ready to do it again. Uh, and it, it's really important too as part of that recovery after you've recuperated, make sure that you're emailing your faculty, right? Like tell them, hey, I'm gonna be in your class. These are my pronouns. This is my name. Um, this is what it might be on your roster, but can you please make sure you know, that this right. is going to go the way that I want it to go, because that takes the load off later, too. Of course. And I, I will say that uh, for students listening out there, you'd be surprised how much uh, professors are willing to do and willing to support and um, willing to change, especially uh, the further we get along in education, I feel like more professors are going, okay, what do you prefer to be called? Or maybe what even having their pronouns on their little name tag or something um, that really sets that step up for students to be able to, uh, to do that and and contact professors. And I think that's really cool. It's, it, it is so helpful. I I just, I gotta say, it's so helpful. Um, And I, I, as a professor, I'm not just talking about LGBTQ students, right? Like I'll mm-hmm. have students who come in my class and say their name is Fred, right? But they go by George. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. If you tell me that on the first day when we're checking in and I scribble it on a piece of paper while I'm taking roll and then that piece of paper gets filed, right. well, now I don't have a record, right? Whereas if you email me ahead of time and I can put it on my grade book, and make sure that every time your paper comes in under the name George, uh, my grade book automatically defaults to George and not Fred. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going, who's George? Wait, did I hear this in class? What? 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 <laughs> it's not just LGBTQ students. And if your professors have a problem calling you by the correct name or the correct pronouns, uh, an email reminder that they let Fred be called George. Uh, is no different than letting uh, Sue be Sue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is always helpful too. Right. And that kind of thing can be backed up with Office of Diversity or uh, if you copy even myself or Dr. Miller-Levy, uh, we are happy to bone up and say, hey, you know, Tarleton's policy is that you call your students by their given or by their their name, not their given mm-hmm. name, but the name that they give you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what can allies do um, to help their friends and help their family members uh, during this time? So be ready to be an excuse. 
and defend that excuse. Uh, You know, if I, if I say, okay, I'll pick on Rebecca since she's my co-advisor and say, okay, Mm -hmm. Rebecca, um, I'm going to need you to call me at two o'clock so that I can go deal with a whatever. Right. Right. Um, She has to call. If she doesn't call, uh, then she's not being a good ally. Right. Um, Now, if she's having similar problems and we are our own uh, saviors, right? right? Then one or the other of us might need to text and remind and say, hey, are we still good for that emergency call at two o'clock? Mm-hmm. Um, but the allies should be there. They shouldn't just say, oh yeah, I'll totally do that for you. And then not show up. Right. <laughs> um, which is why, again, if you're thinking about like family allies that are already there, it takes some prep work to make sure that they're actually going to to follow through and not revert back to some pre-knowledge or pre-stereotype uh, that they held before they knew that it was about you. Um, I will and, say that it, it can be hard with family around to kind of be that odd person out um, yes. in, in helping someone else. Yes. It can. And there, there's safety in numbers, but it's always hard. The first person you recruit has the most work to do. Right. Um, there's a leadership theory. I know I'm all technical on y'all. Uh, okay. There's a leadership theory that basically says the first follower is the one that does all the work. So if our LGBTQ person is the leader, they're the one trailblazing, right? Right. The first person they recruit to be an ally has to do the most work. They're the one who has to help recruit all the next people. They're the ones who has to show that it's safe to follow. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, So as an ally, it's important that you show up when you say you're going to show up. It's important that you do your research. Um, Like if I were to call an ally and say, okay, I need you to help me with my family. I would honestly expect that that ally would go do some research. Right. Um, or at the very least would ask me more questions about what I'm worried my family might do <laughs> or uh, what kind of escape I would need specifically or even what they could do to help me on the phone or via text as I move away from that space. Um, I would expect some research, just some, right. some dedication, not Education. just... Yeah, not just lip service. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So what can allies do? Keep doing research and recruit more people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, that, those are all the questions I have, but is there something that we didn't talk about that you wanted to make sure that we hit um, before we go? Oh, goodness. Um, I think the biggest thing is that it's, it's temporary. It doesn't feel temporary in the moment. It feels like it's going to last forever and that it's going to destroy uh, your world when your dad or your granddad or, or your grandmother or somebody says something totally awful. But really and truly, it won't last. It'll, it'll be bad for a while, even if it's bad forever you'll find other people to replace those people. And that is a horrible thing to have to say about families, but sometimes it's better. chosen family. Sometimes chosen family is more important. And if your family really does 
know how to family, right? If they know how to be a family and to take care of each other and they loved you before, they will come back to loving you after. And if they don't come back to loving you after, that's not your fault. That's on them for not being able to family functionally. And that's a really hard thing to hear. And it always sucks when I have to say it to students when they show up in my office and they say, well, my family disowned me. And I said, well, you need to disown them. Like it needs to go, it needs to go the way that protects you and that keeps you sane and healthy and functional. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Prairie. Uh, This is some really interesting thoughts and I think they will for sure benefit some of the listeners and at least some of the allies listening for sure. Well, you're so very welcome. Thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed it. (laughs) I would like to thank again, instructor Prairie Parnell for coming on and helping me with this topic. It's not an easy topic to discuss, especially if you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, it can bring up a lot of emotion, but I think it's really, really important to get that information out there for you folks listening and of course your friends and family members. For those LGBTQ plus folks that were listening right now, This time can be extremely hard and difficult and draining. Please remember that you have other folks out there that support you and care about you. There's a whole community ready to accept you and support you and be there for you when you get back. Um, Know that you're not alone. And if you are seeking more resources and you need someone to talk to right now, Don't hesitate to call the Trevor Project's hotline at 866-488-7386. You can also contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That is 800-273-8255 or the Trans Lifeline at 877-565-8860. I'll include these and more numbers in the description of this episode if you didn't catch them. If you don't like calling, a lot of these hotlines actually have text and chat available now. So if you're needing it, please don't hesitate to use your resources. They are out there and people are waiting and willing to talk to you. And if you need to rant, if you just need some support, they are there. For friends and family looking for more information on the difficulties that LGBTQ plus people face, During the holiday times and extended stays with unsupportive family, you can check out all the links in the description below in this episode. Always some good sites are pflag.org and the HRC website. Those are great resources if you just want to check those out. Well, folks, I hope most of your questions were answered today. If you still have any unanswered ones, please don't hesitate to contact one of those numbers or contact Making Space via social media at the planet 100.7 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Making Space will be on break over the holiday. This episode will be the last one until January of next year. Over the break, I'll be taking some time to contact some more folks, get some interviews, and hopefully get some more insider answers to questions you've always had about socially sensitive topics. Again, to keep you updated on the show, please follow our social media and keep checking back here so you know when the new stuff is starting back. Have a safe winter break, folks. And for those who celebrate, happy holidays. Until next time, be safe and take care.
Towson Radio Network podcast with production from me, Taylor Welch, and me, Carissa Cole. Find more great shows by searching Towson Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.